0: Grace, mercy, and the peace of God be and abide with you this day as we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. Arriving at Pentecost. We remember the event that happened in Jerusalem that day. Described in Acts chapter 2, it was 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. And 50 days after the celebration of Passover See, the day was already a holiday for the Jewish people. The day of Pentecost uh, was identified there in Acts chapter 2, not as the Holy Spirit coming, arriving day, but as this Jewish holiday, this prescribed holy day for the people of Israel to keep. Fifty days after Passover, the celebration Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks in many Old Testament translations uh, was to happen. And so the, the apostles, the disciples were there in one place, as Acts 2 describes it, and, um, and and people were gathering from all over because of this festival. It was a harvest festival, festival to bring first fruits, to bring grain offerings to the Lord. In Hellenistic times, which is when the Greek people were uh, dominating that whole region. And um, that happened from the 4th century BC until Rome took over uh, just about 30 years before Jesus. But in that Hellenistic time frame uh, under the Greeks, the, the festival became a renewal of the covenant that had been made at the time of Noah, which was between God and all flesh, which is important. This Spirit being poured out on, as Joel 2 says, all flesh, is a a make-sense time for this to happen. It's not a coincidence that this is when the Spirit was given. This is God at work. Connecting threads from the Old Testament times, even threads that were um, built into traditions that renewal of the covenant made at the time of Noah, and using that opportunity, using that moment to do something new, something profound, just as he had done at the Passover time with the institution of the Lord's Supper, with the sacrificial lamb being Jesus. With all of that, God took something Old and made it new. And here he's doing the same thing at this day called Pentecost. 50 days. 50 days have passed since Easter. 50 days, well, in the Jewish way of thinking. It was seven weeks ago, so the way we count, it's 49 days. But it's an inclusive counting in the Jewish mindset, so that's 50 days ago. Today we're going to consider the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about the Spirit of God. The Bible is written in two primary languages. There's some Aramaic in it, um, but primarily it's Hebrew and Greek. And the word for spirit in Hebrew is ruach. It's one of those fun words to say because you get to make that guttural sound, ruach. And in Greek, the word is Pneuma. It's the same root word from which we get pneumonia, pneumatic, all those words that have to do with air, with breathing, pneuma. Both words have multiple meanings. And so today we're going to look at the the Holy Spirit with three meanings behind those words, ruach or pneuma, and we begin with this. The air we breathe. The Spirit brings life. John chapter 6, verse 63, Jesus says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. There's a connection between the Spirit and life. Between the Spirit and life. Air. It said that you can go three weeks without food, three days without water, but only three minutes without air. That was demonstrated to us dramatically in Minneapolis on Monday, when a man was deprived of air. When George Floyd was detained by police and was saying, I can't breathe. And his life was tragically lost. Well, appears to have been taken, which has led to a whole lot of protests, a lot of anger, a lot of resentment, a lot of uh, even rioting and violence, a tragedy that that life was lost. A hardship for his family, and something that should not continue in our culture, in our country. We can't breathe without air. The Spirit gives us air. Pneuma, air. The Spirit is needed for life, physically, the breath of life, and we'll talk more about that in a couple minutes. But the breath of life was given at creation, the spirit of God, the ruach of God is there at creation, breathing the breath, the air, into man. Spiritually, our lives are from the spirit. Our, our, the, the way we consider ourselves is, is mostly often actually c- connects with a Greek mindset of of body and soul. In fact, that's the, the ministry Paul is connected to is called that, body and soul. We are physical, but we're also spiritual. Now, that doesn't mean the, the, the physical is not good. That's a, another Greek philosophy, philosophy called Gnosticism that would say that the body is not good. The body of the flesh is, is evil. The spirit is what you care about. That's not true. God has given us bodies, has made us this physical existence, and breathed into us the breath of life to give life to these bodies that we have. We are physical creatures that need this air to breathe. But we also are spiritual creatures that need the air of the Spirit, the life from the Spirit. The Spirit gives us life. And the church was born at Pentecost, which is... One of the big reasons we celebrate, it's the giving of the Spirit, and what did that do? The Spirit was given, and the disciples become transformed instantly by the giving of the Spirit. They're they're all in one place, Acts 2, verse 1 says. What was that place? A lot of speculation has been made that that place was the upper room, that they were still, seven weeks later, Gathering, it doesn't say the doors are locked, but you get this idea that the disciples felt safe in this space altogether, and outside of that weren't necessarily comfortable. That's the impression we're left with, at least. And Peter, who at the crucifixion of Jesus was denying him, and throughout Jesus' ministry was outspoken with him and sometimes even telling Jesus what to do to the point where Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. But then look at what Peter did. Steps out into this crowd that had gathered to find out what this sound was, this rushing wind. To find out what that was, the crowd gathers because they're interested and curious, and Peter delivers this wonderful message connecting Old Testament writing with what was happening and promises of God that the Spirit would come being fulfilled right there and then and connecting it all together, giving birth to the, to the church. This fisherman has become a fisher of men in a real and profound sense, confirming Jesus' promise at his call. And the apostles get launched into mission, sent the word apostle means one who is sent. And Jesus had sent them out two by two previously. But up to this point, they weren't sent into mission in the same way, but the giving of the Spirit, and they go. And 3,000 are added to their number that day. That's that, We would call that a successful mission outreach <laughs> for sure. Let's close this section in prayer. Holy Spirit, you give us life. Fill us. Renew us. We thank you that by your power, we call on the name of Jesus. Give life to your church. Cleanse us, Holy Spirit, of our burdens, of our sinfulness, of all the things that hold us back from the missions that you call us to. In your name we pray, amen. So the spirit, ruach, and panoima are connected to air. When air moves, it's wind, and the wind will blow. John chapter 3, verse 8, Jesus says these words, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. If you look that verse up in the original Greek language, you'll find that wind and spirit are the same, and the word for blows, so wind blows, is also related. It's all that pneuma word. The wind blows where it wishes to go. The spirit gives direction. As many of you know, I uh, get out on my bicycle most every Friday. And one of the things I do often on Friday morning or sometimes late Thursday, if if I can already get the information, is figure out how windy is it going to be and from which direction. If it's going to be really windy later in the day, I try to get out early. (laughs) If the wind is going to die down in the afternoon, maybe I'll wait through the windy morning and go a bit later. If the wind is coming off of the bay, and and so... It's mostly blowing where we are, kind of from the northwest. Then I'll ride to the north to start the ride so that at the end of the day, (laughs) I can be going with the wind. It's helpful to do that because I prefer the end of the ride to be with the tailwind because if I ride out with the tailwind and have to turn around and fight that all the way home, that's not quite as fun. I've never been a sailor, but I expect that if you're sailing, it's easier to go the direction the wind is going than to try to sail upwind. I don't know how that works. If someone gave me a sailboat and put me out on the bay, I could go whatever direction the wind is blowing, probably, semi-successfully, I don't know. Um, But going back to put it back at the dock, I don't know how you do that. I would have to wait until the wind shifts in order to make it back. I'm, I'm not sure how that works. The point is this, we can't control the Spirit. We can't tell the Spirit of God which way to go or even which way we want to go and have the Spirit respond to us in that. The Spirit goes where He wants, does what He wants. We can pray to God. We can seek the Spirit. We can tell God our desires, the desires of our hearts. We can pray that God act in a certain way, but it's better to pray, Thy will be done. And then go with the flow. Go in the direction of the pneuma, of the ruach, of the spirit, of the wind. Which way is the wind blowing? Which way is God directing us to go? The spirit of God gives directions in Acts. When Philip comes up alongside, there's an Ethiopian uh, eunuch um, reading, but unsure of what he's reading. And the spirit of God brings Philip there and tells him, What to do? The Spirit of God tells Paul what to do. The Spirit of God tells Peter what to do. What is the Spirit of God telling us to do? What is the Spirit of God placing on our hearts that we should do? The Spirit gives direction. The Spirit brings power. If we back up into Acts chapter 1, words of Jesus just before his ascension are found in chapter 1, verse 8 of the book of Acts but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power from the Spirit. The Spirit of God brings power. I have seen the destructive power of wind. Maybe you have too. We lived in Oklahoma for about seven and a half years, and in that time, there were some tornadoes that came through central Oklahoma where we were. And one particular time, it was just a few miles away, and it was a fairly significant storm, and so there was significant destruction. Another storm passed just probably within a mile of our house. It wasn't a tornado at that moment, but they were saying it had all the potential to become one, and it passed to the west of our house roughly a mile or so. We watched the massive cloud drift by, and after it had passed us, and then gone off to the northeast of our home, Um, then it turned into a tornado. It wasn't a big one, but it was enough to do some damage, to pick up furniture from a backyard and deposit it in the front yard of people we knew. We've seen the power of the wind. We've seen the power, I've seen the power of air. I used to work for a company that uh, represented a pneumatic um, devices and controls company, and so I, I got to work with uh, pneumatic cylinders and control systems. That's when I lived as an engineer. And uh, got to see how, those, um, how the air, that compressed air, was turned into motion and the power that it had. Wind power can be harnessed if we use turbine, uh, wind turbines. If you drive north from here, you get up toward Pleasanton and across the hillside, you'll see all these wind turbines, Harnessing the power, converting the power of that air, of that wind, into electricity. The Spirit of God gives power. Power to his people. Acts 1 verse 8 goes on to say, You will be my witnesses. The Spirit of God gives us power to speak, to act, and to live as the people of God. How are we using the power the Spirit gives us? in a contained way or a way that lets it go, lets the Spirit of God do what it's going to do. The Spirit is giving us power to use that we should use. The Spirit of God shapes us. I remember traveling some years ago as a family. We were on vacation. I think we were in Utah, um, but somewhere in the mountainous kind of central part of the country. And there were evergreen trees, and um, they looked weird to me. Because if I'm the trunk of the tree, these are the branches. They're all facing one direction. What I heard about those, and I think it was from an uncle of mine, was that the wind always is blowing in one direction where those trees are. And they, the trees didn't have branches except for those that were downwind from the trunk. The rest couldn't grow or wouldn't stay. Maybe the little shoots would come out from the trunk, but then the wind would shear them off over time. I'm not exactly sure how it worked, but that's what it looked like. The trees were shaped by the wind. I've also seen evidence of wind erosion, places where massive piles of sand were continually shaped by the blowing wind. The Spirit of God shapes us. The Spirit conforms our lives to His direction. Sometimes by taking off our rough edges. Sometimes by bending us to His will. Romans chapter 12 says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's what the Spirit of God does, renews our mind and transforms our lives. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, shape us direct us give us power conform us to your will that we go in your direction that we follow where you lead us and that we do what you have us here to do in your name we pray amen this this word ruach and pneuma it means wind and it means breath, the breath of life. This is what the Spirit gives to us. The Spirit enabled the apostles to speak. In this profound outpouring, chapter 2, verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What a striking thing. To imagine these people, these 11, was it more? Was it more of the disciples, those who had followed Jesus? We're not precisely sure how many, although it does say Peter was standing with the 11 when he raised his voice and spoke. And then the Spirit of God working in them to give them this utterance, to give them this ability to speak. Hear hear this promise of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 10. Do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. The spirit of God speaks through us. Maybe not in languages. I don't expect, though it could happen and it would be super cool that I could be walking down the street in Milpitas where there are lots and lots of languages. I don't expect that all of a sudden the Spirit's going to come over me and I'll speak Tagalog or I'll speak Vietnamese or I'll speak another language that sometimes I hear even walking down the sidewalk. I don't expect that to happen. If it did, that'd be awesome. That's what happened at Pentecost. As these, these simple people, regular guys... All of a sudden, we're speaking. What's interesting is, it doesn't say they were speaking in all these languages, but it does say that people heard them. Uh Each of us can hear in our own language. What was the Spirit doing? We're not exactly sure, but it was powerful. The Spirit enabled the apostles to speak, not just in this moment, so they could be heard in all these languages, but also in other times when they stood up with boldness and confidence even before the councils in Sanhedrin and said, look, you crucify Jesus and we're just trying to follow him. That's a simple paraphrase. The Spirit still gives us words, still gives us wisdom, still speaks through us a message for the world. And the Spirit brings peace. You need a deep breath. There are times when I need a deep breath. There are times when I just need a sense of peace. Lately, we've needed a sense of peace. With a crisis that's been going on for months already, with health concerns, and the burdens that it places on our lives with the requirement that we distance ourselves from loved ones, from family members, with restrictions on travel, with concerns about even going to a grocery store and getting the food you need. With all of that, there's burdens and pressure and the social isolation that it can requi- er, er, create for people. We need peace. I know there are people who are worried Might not be sleeping well, just this burden, this anxiety because of it. If that were not enough, the burdens on us as a nation that have come to the surface this week have created their own sense of anxiety. Who are we? What are we about? We as a nation, we the people. We, the people who share in these unalienable rights. And yet it's clear that not everyone shares in that. And we need peace. That peace is not going to be found by protest, by chaos, by violence, by looting, and all these other things that are happening. I, I want to say I understand, but I really don't. I understand frustration. I understand anger. But I don't understand because I've never walked in that path what that is like. So I sympathize with those who feel they have nothing else to do but create chaos. To upset the peace. So that maybe the rest of us will finally listen to what they've been dealing with for years and years. Unrest in our cities. The families, friends, and people who knew George Floyd. Armand Arbery, I probably pronounced his name wrong. A woman in Louisville. And a long list of people. They need peace. And people who are like them, who don't feel comfortable leaving their homes, who are concerned for their safety, for their lives, they need peace. We all need peace. There's violence happening in places and it's affecting people we know. We know people in and around Minneapolis, there's a good chance that you do too. They need peace. It's not just Minneapolis, though, that has spilled out all across the country. And a, a man protecting a federal courthouse building in Oakland lost his life yesterday connected to this protest. His family needs peace. The spirit of God brings this peace that passes understanding. The spirit of God gives comfort. John chapter 14, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. That word helper is paraclete. The King James translates it comforter. Other translations take it as counselor. That's the role of the spirit we often need in our lives to comfort us, to counsel us. The Spirit breathes into us the breath of life. So be, be inspired. Did you know that the word inspired, the spire part of that comes from Spirit? Have the Spirit in you. Be inspired. Speak peace and life Now, today, as you are able, speak peace and life in the realms where there's negativity and hate. Speak peace and life because people need what we have to offer. They need the spirit of God to work in us and among us to bring peace to this world. We won't be able to do it to the whole world. We won't be able to bring peace to the entire planet, but we can bring peace. In our little corners, in our little spaces, we can bring peace to people as we connect them to Jesus. That's what they need. And we can give that away. It's free. Holy Spirit, fill our lips with words of you. Guide us when we are unsure and give comfort and peace as you are able. Inspire us to share. In your name we pray. Amen. The Holy Spirit. Arrived at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is here. Amen.